Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> My name is Andrea Simintov, and you are listening to Pull Up a Chair on Israel News Talk Radio. Dot com. Trying right now as we're speaking to shut off all the beepers around me, the beepers, the phones, the <laughs> intercoms, the alarms. <gasps> but we are together this morning. Israel smells smoky and delicious. Last night, uh, we celebrated Lagba Omer, all of the Lagba Omer uh, bonfires. We're not going to use today's program to discuss it because IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com has program after program of brilliant hosts speaking about the same. But you should know to always, we always know that this is the night you close your windows because if you've done laundry, if you just had your hair done, if you're making a wonderful supper, everything, everything, everything will be uh, filled with the smell of smoke, not ugly smoke, but beautiful smoke. This morning, we have with us listening in, oh my gosh, it's so late at night. The U.S. is listening in and Canada. You know, I've come to really count on you guys. So, um, oh my gosh, the morning we would see that Canada isn't with us would be a very sad morning for me. Boketover, it's Israel. Hope you had your windows closed last night. Australia is with us today. Japan is listening in. South Africa my second home, India is with us, and Nigeria. Very, very happy. Um, okay, so on today's show, we're going to talk about things that are a little bit more upbeat than last week. Last week, I was a little bit testy, and uh, I didn't like it very much. But I do want to say that Lagba Omer, this holiday, also is my wedding anniversary. And a lot of anniversaries. Today, we open up the wedding season in Israel because between Passover, Pesach, and now, there were no, it's traditionally no weddings, uh, no big partying. And so now it kind of opens up. And we chose Lagba Omer because my husband and I married late in life, late to one another. And we figured we would never remember dates, but we might remember Lagba Omer. Okay, get up. Get dressed, wash the smoke out of your hair, show up at the football, get married. Okay, so I'm very happy you're listening in. Upbeat show and uh, lots to talk about. I'll see you on the other side. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Uh, funny, you know, I think it's a laugh riot, but um, our mood, you know, 
you hear so much. It's almost like elevator music to talk about the mind-body connection, mind-body connection. I have to tell you, the longer I live, and please God, it should be long, um, I am absolutely convinced that it not only exists, but must be honored, cherished, nurtured, and even coddled. Uh, I've been having, on a personal level, and I've shared it, I mean, there were weeks where I didn't even do the show, and I used this the excuse, the, the accurate excuse. I was overseas. It was the time difference was very, very difficult, but there was so much going on in my personal life, having to do with family, having to do with um, illnesses, not, not me in particular, but, but people I loved and just seismic shifts in what I call my Dalit Amos, my, my personal space. And it was very, very hard to take on that one more thing of being upbeat and reaching out. And I really do feel very, um, uh, not, 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 well, maybe possessive, but very protective. That's the word I wanted to say of this hour we spend together each week. And I know that whoever's listening in is, is even if they're listening with half an ear while they're kind of uh, chopping up vegetables for dinner, you're making the investment to be part of my orbit at this time and indeed vice versa. So it was bothering me. And last week when I was determined to do a show, I left the show feeling a little bit uncomfortable. And believe me, you're all innocent. Um, I was uncomfortable because I was so angry at the events, the things that were taking place in my beloved country. I was so angry at the enemies in our midst and even more so at our government, the, mo the government of modern Israel, their unwillingness, uh, their inability, their, 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 their kowtowing to interests other than our own, and certainly not Jewish interests, because the aspirations and goals of our enemies were, 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 had precedent. Those who want to destroy everything that is wonderful and pleasant for all of us who dwell in our blessed country. And you know what? Last week I lost it. And I only hope that my spittle and fury is never the reason that somebody turn, uh, tunes into this program. Indeed, the opposite. Because you know what? I've seen enough rage in my life. I grew up in a in a post-Holocaust home with two parents, two wonderful parents who had been raised in abject poverty and who loved America, but always were torn by that Zionist pull to Eretz Israel. Um, I grew up in a home that was almost made impotent in chasing assimilation, which encouraged us to excel, but not be too Jewish, to be compassionate, but not lose ourselves to whims and ultra movements, to aspire, to perspire, to acquire, and then what? It's that crazy, kooky, indescribable Jewish quality to never rest on our laurels and uh, our achievements, but rather just keep plugging toward something something hopefully at the end of today's show in our Torah discussion which i don't purport to want to preach but rather learn together and question together 
that maybe in our Torah discussion, we can address this curious Jewish personality trait and maybe together discover healthier perspectives than the ones I may be mentioning and pointing out, which is why hopefully today we're going to talk about the quiet the quiet quality of life issues that I find so appealing and indeed so universal. I take a look at the list of those who are listening in today and I think, what are the things that unite us rather than divide us? After all, I mean, who listening in doesn't want a better connection with their partner, better communication with their children, their neighbors, their friends, their co-workers. Who does not want to come home to a house that offers satisfaction rather than the stress of never having enough and the view from my window shows a much greener lawn? Today, together, hopefully, we're going to relax and say, Todaraba, thank you very much you with a capital Y because it's all good. How good? It's good when I walk in your ways, when I cleave to your statutes. It's good because I was created in your image of me. Indeed, it's all good. Okay, so let's see. Let's start with something good. My hand is getting numb. <laughs> what is that? Okay, Jewish. Oh my gosh, I have a disease. All right. You know, did you ever hear? I, I don't know if anybody listening in. I know that the Jews listening in have heard the joke that they say three people are walking in the desert. There's a Frenchman, an Italian, and a Jew, and they're all walking together. And the Frenchman says, "I am so thirsty, I must have wine." And the Italian, oh, the, sorry, yeah, oh, sorry. And there's an Irish, and the Irishman, there's an Irishman for, and the Irishman says, "I am so thirsty, I must have ale." And the Jew says, "I'm so thirsty, I must have diabetes." Stick a dish. Okay. Um, so last night, last night, interesting, a, uh, I think it was last night, there was a world kickboxing championship, uh, event held in Turkey, our neighbor and who won an Arab Israeli. Okay. His name is Loe Sakas. Loe, I hope you listen to this show. Happy to have you as a guest. He took the gold medal in the under 75 kilogram weight class. And um, so first of all, that fascinated me because I'm trying to enter the under 75 kilogram weight class. But that aside, I'll have to have him on the show so we can talk about diet. But anyway, he was refused a handshake by his Moroccan opponent the one that he defeated in the semifinals. Now, that's something that we always think is innately Jewish. Nobody wants to shake our hands. And here we have an Arab who uh, was refused a handshake by his opponent. And um, so let's see. So he comes from Kfar Yassif uh, up north. And what did he do? I guess maybe the Moroccan got a little ticked off because Sakas draped himself in the Israeli flag as he stood in the ring to receive his award after he defeated his Slovakian opponent. Okay, so he spoke with Channel 12, an Israeli station, and he said that his goal in representing Israel is in, in international competitions is to promote coexistence. My gosh, we hear it, we hear it, we hear it, but it's very nice to hear it said 
with an Arab accent. He says, I am first and foremost an Israeli citizen. I do not care about Judaism, Islam, Christianity, or Druze. I represent the country and want everyone here to live in peace with each other. Boy, I want to lay down and <laughs> take a nap. That's a little bit refreshing. But of course, it was not entirely smooth. The Moroccan delegation uh, refused to interact with him. And he said that uh, this was not a reason for him not to wave the flag or take the gold. His answer is, I expect every Israeli citizen to wave the Israeli flag. I do not try to rile up people or anything like that. I wave the flag because I am Israeli. Um, boy, oh boy, did I like that. I like that, especially we had a week after my last week's show where I had such aggravation, such tension. We were under siege with such brutality uh, by the enemies in our midst. It's just very nice to be able to lay down at night and say, we've got a buddy up north. Okay, uh, before we go to our break, we have a break. I just want to know what you think about this. Not Israeli. There was a posting on Facebook for a job opportunity, and this person posted, my company is developing an app, and it's to help older citizens, people who do are not uh, um, um, social media or technologically um, savvy to be able to work with, to be able to order taxis, make restaurant reservations, uh, reservations in municipal offices and stuff. But what did they write? They wrote, I'm develop my company is developing an act to help cute old people with modern life. Well, I got to tell you something. The ad goes on, not shift work, but people were enraged, enraged. They felt it was very, very patronizing, um, very uh, marginalizing, and they really came out of the woodwork. And I have to tell you, I gave a round of applause when I saw there was a very nice to modernize life and try to uh, make it easier for those around us. But to refer to old people as cute old people is to stereotype, stereotype us, and I say us, because apparently I'm an old person, I found out this morning. <laughs> um, but also, let me tell you something about men and women of all ages, and I see this in my work, I see it in my coaching work, I see it in my um, makeover work, I see it in my writing work. People are people. And just because we hit a certain age, just because we're called grandma or grandpa or auntie or uncle doesn't mean that we have lost a teaspoon of passion, a teaspoon of desire, a teaspoon of interest and a teaspoon of intellectual curiosity. So if you're going to develop an app or a program or a Facebook group, um, or a WhatsApp group to attract people who may be a generation or two older than you, cut out the cute stuff, appeal to our humanity and our being created in his image. Because guess what? We have a lot, a lot of love, passion, excitement under our belt. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to prevent a decay in our passion and other exciting things. See you on the other side.
Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller, and me, Matt Zucker, for Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Okay, we're back. All right, Andrea Simitio back. I'm going over my notes. And uh, yeah, I hope we get to everything. Let's see, this is, I think we're in the second segment. Yeah. All right, so we do have time to do our Torah, which you know is where I kind of <gasps> take my deep breath and we share together. Okay. Uh, I mentioned before that this is my anniversary, my wedding anniversary, and um, I'm not looking for presents. <laughs> okay, we have enough, we have enough, we have enough. Um, and it was very sweet because I often, as as a as a... As a woman, I often accuse my husband of being not uh, not romantic enough, not involved enough, not compassionate enough, not uh, not gooey enough. And yet, if he would be who he's not, I think I would be a little nauseated. So, you know, I can never get it right. But I came across this article from, I think, I'm embarrassed, I should have it in my notes, and I don't. Um, I think it was Psychology Today, but if you're curious, write to me, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and I will source it and actually send you the article. By the way, I like getting your letters. Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com means a lot. It really does. Okay, so it really says how to prevent passion decay. That was the name of the article. And the word passion gets a little bit icky because, um, you know, it, it, it makes us think about you know, TMI stuff. But I was reminded recently when I, and again, the show can get intensely personal. So <laughs> you could just lower the volume if you choose. But I remember that when I divorced my first husband, the father of my children many years ago, um, let's see, I got divorced, I believe it was 2001. And it was very, it was a very rare thing in my community. And it's, it was a very horrible chapter, horrible chapter for everyone involved for me, for my ex husband, to whom I thought I would be married forever, for my children who even today, carry terrible scars uh, to my family, his family, ugly, ugly stuff. I believe that. And I also believe that Well, it doesn't matter. I don't want to go there. So, but what was very interesting was for a while, I became a magnet for women who were, and forgive the sarcasm, unhappy. They weren't happy in their marriages. They just didn't feel the love. They didn't feel the passion. They liked their partner, but they didn't love their partner. And for some reason, I became a magnet for a few of these women who kind of were coming to visit with me to get a bracha, to get a blessing on becoming brave enough to end their marriages 
that we're not, you know, we've fallen out of love. We've fallen in. And I think that several of these women who actually dropped me as a friend were very disappointed in my response. Because my response then and my response today is fix it. Fix it. It doesn't mean that there aren't cases where marriages cannot work out, that it is better to end a marriage. Um, that's not what today's program is about. And um, it's not what the discussion is about. But there is so much that we, as men and women, can do to reignite that flame, that act of caring. And it's simple. Because we don't want to be invisible. We want to matter. So one of the things that I was awakened to the idea was that passion in, in relationship, it's an important goal. But when we're counting on the other person to bring it in, we're A, absolving ourselves from the responsibility. And you know what? We can wait a long time. Activities done um, with our partner caring about doing things, even things that we think are not interesting to us, just because it's important to the other person can be enough to reignite passion, excitement. I'm going to share something with you. My husband is like Joe Macho. The man never entered a kitchen that called to him. I mean, he used to, when I married him, at the time I married him, he was living alone in a caravan uh, which is probably why I live in a caravan part-time now. And he would put a a roast, a piece of turkey in the toaster oven or his little roast. And then with each level that got cooked, he would slice it off and eat it. And he would spend his evening just like slicing off the finished product until he could eat. This is not a man. He's a man who uses a sandwich maker to, to pour in his scrambled eggs. It, it's just bad. It's very bad. And yet we've discovered when I sit him down at the kitchen table on Friday morning or Thursday night with a pile of vegetables, a knife and a peeler, and I ask him to peel the vegetables, to cut them into chunks for my cooking, at first he looked at me like I asked him to travel to the moon to get me a container of milk. Well, you know what? We laugh. <clears throat> He's good. It's fun. It's something new. Um, it's brought something for us to talk about. And when I serve a meal and guests are present and I say, Ronnie cooked this, it's not exactly true, but it's just something fun. Boredom is associated with a, a, a reduced quality in our time together. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm choking. I've learned from my children. My children have date nights. Really? My children, they're married. They have 100 children between them. That's not really true, but there's many children. They have every excuse, every financial excuse not to go out. And guess what? They go out each week. So um, I just wanted to say that I learned that. And so in this one article, before we go on to my next one, I, I circled something and it said, you know, despite the positive nature of exciting shared activities, sometimes it's very hard to put into practice in our established relationships. You know what? Logistics, finances, childcare, work, 
in Israel, so many people work American hours. They work from six at night until four in the morning. You know, you can't get a lot of fun time together, um, finding mutually enjoyable activities and challenges. So anyway, I just really wanted to share that. It's something that if you, like I, think that your relationship is doomed because you don't like excitement as much as others. You know, you want to bird watch, your partner wants to bungee jump. I remember my, my husband only wanted to take a caravan around Europe. And when I said to him, but you have to rent a car, he said, why? And my answer was, well, because you can't take a, a tractor trailer around to the Champs-Élysées or go to the Louvre. He looked at me like I was crazy. That's just an aside. Anyway, there are things that we can do. You can learn Torah together. You can watch certain shows together and discuss it. You can go camping. You can go to a weekend. It's just, there's a lot to find out. Make a list, have a glass of wine or a cup of tea together and think what brings us together and build on it. Okay. Another thing that is very prevalent to my mindset, and I wanted to share this with you because I think about it all the time, how to be happy with less. I do not know about you, but my Facebook feeds, my WhatsApp feeds, my general Google searches, I am drowning in the algorithms that shopping, 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 trying to separate me from my hard-earned money, whether it's programs to organize better, better bedsheets, uh, makeup, aging supplies. I have to tell you, when I think about this trap that we're being lured into to always want more, the, the, the creation of the shopping mall, the creation of online Alibaba and Google lure, I have to tell you, in so many ways, when you can get off the excitement of looking for the next bargain, understand that we are being undermined, undermining the very achievements that we have worked so hard to attain and that it's impossible to appreciate what we have when we're constantly sprinting toward the next goal. And, you know, I came to this important understanding that um, no amount of money and no amount of um, no amount of success can replicate the quiet of sitting by the ocean and having a glass of water and looking out and contemplating the depth or having a new grandchild or grandbaby, nephew, niece, neighbor's child in your arms and knowing that there is nowhere else to be other than in that reclining chair at that moment. Our daily lives, my friends, are filled with all of these countless opportunities to find satisfaction. I have to tell you, when my husband and I look out a window in the morning and we look at this tree that looks like the municipality should have uh, you know, knocked it down, chopped it down, and instead we watch it defiantly sprout leaves, we realize it's that time as opposed to more time in a shopping mall or an open air market can never be replicated. The key is presence, soaking it in. And as we close on this section, I ask all of us listening in to at least consider making it almost 
Torah-centric to press on the brakes of our crazed life and to appreciate what we have to open our eyes and look at the four walls of our home or our tent and to instead refuse today to sprint towards that next goal and instead defiantly observe those small things that make our lives meaningful. My name's Andrea Simintov. I'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. Okay, we're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And this is our last segment, our traditional Torah segment. But I just want to segue. I'm so excited. I'll give you a restaurant review next week. <laughs> okay, I already know what I'm eating tonight because I'm watching, 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 watching. Okay, so I have so many different sources to talk about this week's Torah portion. And during the break, I kind of ran ahead. And there's one I want to start with because it segues, I think, so beautifully um, into our last discussion. And this comes from studies in Vayikra um, from Nechama Leibovich of Blessed Memory. So when reviewing the blessings, we find we find that in, in this portion of the Torah, uh, when we review the blessings, we find that they deal only with the material blessings and that there's no mention of spiritual wards for keeping the mitzvot, the commandments. I found this, uh, I'm, I'm getting off of my notes a second. I found this, there's a consistency to all of the, to almost all of the commentary I discovered this week in that the Torah discusses the rewards of a life well-lived on in this world as we exist from day to day. And I realized it was very curious to me because I kind of grew up with, you know, you suffer now and you'll receive your world, your rewards in the world to come. Um, you know, the whole, there's a lot of, I think that there's a lot of Christian attitude, which kind of crawled into Jewish thought that we've learned is not quite accurate. The Torah does not discuss rewards in the world to come. So we have to ask the question, why doesn't it mention the spiritual reward of Olam Haba, the world to come, in the same way it mentions the five material rewards of this world? And what are they? Fruitfulness of the land, peace in the land, victory over external enemies, special providence of God, and dwelling uh, within the divine presence. Additionally, since the Torah doesn't mention spiritual rewards, which are all important, why does it specify the material rewards 
which are not all important. Isn't that what we teach our children and teach ourselves? So for this answer, we go to the Rambam, who explains the idea behind material rewards promised in the Torah as follows. Okay. If you perform the mitzvot, the commandments, and you have served the Lord with joyfulness, he will send you the blessings and withhold the curses, giving you the opportunity to become well-versed in the Torah and preoccupied with its performance in order to merit olam haba, the world to come. By this, you will enjoy two worlds, the good life in this world, which will lead you to gaining entrance to the next world. These material rewards are not an end unto themselves, but a means to continue to be able to study Torah and do mitzvot. Conversely, if you transgress the Torah, evil will overtake you, preventing you from um, carrying out the mitzvot. When a person is preoccupied with the matters of this world, dogged, by illness, hunger, and war, and war, he cannot busy himself with studying Torah and doing good deeds through which we merit, indeed, that world to come. In effect, he will uh, lose out on both the blessings of this world and the merit to enter the next world. The Rambam, what is he telling us? That the Torah specifically mentions only the material rewards available to us, so we should concentrate on the task at hand. Again, not looking over our shoulder, out the window, beyond where our, our, our four walls, studying Torah and doing mitzvot. Um, we should not concentrate on the rewards at hand. It's only a, the rewards are only a byproduct of taking care of our responsibilities, of what we were taxed to do in this world. With Hashem easing the way through our performance of the commandments, we can enjoy the material benefits of this world and earn our way into the world to come. I particularly like this because it softened my attitude. I'm speaking personally, and indeed I'm off text, but... It's hard for me to understand um, the modern, uh, you know, those who spend a life studying Torah and not working in commercial enterprises or to earn a living. They've gotten a very, very bad rap. And I must admit, shamefully, that I have been among the detractors of yeshivas, schools of learning that maybe are filled with people who are not on the level they should be learning Torah all the time. Maybe they should be earning a living. And you know what? Humbled, humbled, humbled. It's not for me to decide that there are so many ways in which we can better our existence. And all of us, as long as we walk in the way of God, um, we can all do our part, which actually, hello, let me just put a big cross through here and cross it out. X that out. We've covered that. So talking about walking, I promise that was not prepared. It was just so natural. So every week I study, I, I study the words of a Rabbi Weinreb and suddenly I can't remember his first name, so we won't say it. But Rabbi Weinreb, I have a special affinity to him. He's a lifelong learner. He's an older guy. He's also, I believe, a licensed psychotherapist and um, yeshiva teacher. And he's it's like, it's like your favorite uncle. He understands me. He gets me. He loves bookstores. He loves hardware stores. He is, you know, 
He likes museums. He likes to walk in the park. He is like all of us. And he talks about this experience where, you know, he was taking this walk and he, he always ends up in a book, a bookstore, a park or somewhere where children are playing. And so he said that the last time he had this experience, he was he almost like had an out of body experience. And he said, you know, I guess my feet take me where my heart wants me to go. I know that I personally said this to my husband this week uh, when I took a morning off and I went to the Israel Museum. I went alone. I wanted to be by myself. And there was nowhere I could be rather than the um, Impressionist exhibit at the National Museum of Israel. No reason. Had to be there. So as soon as he said the words, my, where, my, where my heart wants me to go, he remembers the words um, of, of Hillel. Oh, the words of King David. Okay, well, so he says where the Parsha begins. Sorry, I digress. The Parsha begins, if you follow my laws and faithfully observe my commandments, I will grant your reigns in their season. Now, it's not the, stand, the standard translation, because um, a more literal translation of this verse says, if you follow my laws, but rather, if you walk in my ways. So a lot of the translators deliberately make it, they say, if you follow my ways. But the Midrash is literal. It retains the word walk. So long before this Midrash was composed, but after the life of King David, the rabbinic sage Hillel, Rabbi Hillel, he's recorded by the Talmud to have said, to the place which I love, that is where my feet guide me. There's an unconscious lesson here. Our our hearts know our authentic inner preferences very well, so much so that no matter what our conscience, conscious plans are, our feet will take us to where we really want to be. Um, I know that I myself will be strolling and I will end up in a bookstore. I'll end up in a thrift shop. I'll end up in a hardware store or very often a stationary store. My inner self knows better and instructs my feet to take me to very often these musty places where I can browse and dream. The Midrash understands the opening phrase of the Parsha, if you walk in my laws. There are, another other, there are a lot of other ways to suggest in the commentaries throughout the, the ages to understand how literal this phrase is. Even if we initially um, think it's only following our life's journey. Rabbi Chaim Eber Atar says, if you walk in my ways, enumerates no less than 42 explanation of these phrases. Animals do not change their nature, says the Kabbalah. They are not walkers, but humors but humans are walkers. We are always changing our habits, walking away from base conduct to noble conduct and from lower levels of behavior to higher ones. Walking, progressing is our very essence. Walking distinguishes us from the rest of God's creatures. The phrase to walk is a powerful metaphor, my friends, for who we are. It's no wonder then in this last book, um, 
the book of, uh, in this last final portion of this book of the Torah, it begins with such choice words. All life is a journey. And despite our intentions, we somehow arrive at my laws so that we end our journey through the third book of the Bible with these words. These are the commandments that the Lord gave Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. As we finish our, uh, our program this week, let's see, I want to give you one last, you know, 30 seconds, but I can't even turn the pages. Oh! Andrea, okay, we have a lot of choices. Blessings and disasters are described all around us, but the choices we make are ours. There are a lot of elements in nature, carriers of elements like the sun, the earth, the sea, the air, but in our own lives, as we see ourselves, the spiritual and the animal, we are the creative force bestowing a blessing or a curse on everything around us. Shabbat Shalom from Jerusalem. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.